0: Okay, we're reading from um, James chapter three, which is on page 1214, 1 to in the Church Bibles, and it's called Taming the Tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault. Posts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow down from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? For a grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness this is the word of the lord
1: Thank you. Thank you. so loving god may you open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word this morning in the name of your son our lord jesus christ we ask this amen words have power whether it was her words, fire, where did that come from, out of her heart, or his words. As we know, governments are brought down uh, by uh, those kind of words about our leaders. So the last few weeks we've been looking at this book of James and have discovered that his message, his words... Um, are pretty simple um, they're pretty simple but they're not easy they're words of wisdom following the wisdom tradition of the Old Testament the Hebrew scriptures and they ring true for us but they're incredibly hard to put into practice and that is what James's words are fundamentally about Put your money where your mouth is. Practice what you preach. Be consistent. Live out what you believe. And for James, the words that we think and speak, give form, uh, are the measure of how much our hearts have been truly captured by the gospel. Our words expose our hearts. With our words we can destroy another person but as well as that we can destroy ourselves. Our own hearts become more entrenched in bitterness the more we allow those words which we have thought in our heads to become formed and make their way out of our mouths. It's a vicious cycle. If we feel bitter and we allow that to fester and we nurture that feeling, we might even enjoy it a little bit, whether it's towards a person or a situation or an institution or a general attitude of our hearts. If we nurture that bitter feeling and then we allow it to take form in our words and our speech, by doing that we give it more power over ourselves. It somehow becomes more real, more solid, And when it becomes like that, we can sort of mistake it for that that sort of feeling we have when we've said that thing we really want to say. Um, We mistake it then for being the feeling of saying something true. Because we've made it more solid, thought, word and deed. And it gives us courage maybe for a time to think that, well, we were right to feel that way to think that way, to say those things, to have done that thing. I'd be very surprised if not every single one of us can identify with that kind of feeling. Or maybe it's just me. But James says, for all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with the bridle. And then goes on to say, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. You might be slightly over-egging it, you might think, or maybe not. James is always the one who speaks with that kind of pack-a-punch Uh, kind of way. His words are strong and he's just trying to say to us that we need to take this seriously um, because it can have um, fatal consequences. We cannot be those who are professing to be Christians and who do not have actions which back up what we say we believe and who we say we are. And it's really tough to live with one another. I'm not just speaking about in our own households, whatever they happen to look like. We might live with many people. We might live with few people. We may live on our own. But we have a household here of our church community. And often we can find ourselves living out our frustrations uh, towards our brothers and sisters. James says, you can't do that and still profess to be Christians. You can't bless God with one breath and curse each other with the next. This week, I was at a, a conference, it's a day thing, and one of the speakers who came to speak to us um, is in charge of Helping the Church of England think about renewal. So the renewal of the church. Um, because over many years, more and more people um, have found other things to do on a Sunday. They've discovered that actually, you know, maybe they, they don't want to follow God in this way or that way. And they do other things. So we're thinking quite seriously in the Church of England. How do we tell our story in a way that is attractive and which draws people into what we believe is the truth about the world, about God, and about ourselves. So she came to talk to us a bit about what they're doing and the resources that they have for that kind of thing. And she said one of the things that they have discovered, I don't know whether this will shock you or not, it may may, or may not, um, that in general, the people kind of out there Um, who are not really linked with church um, or they might be linked with church just a bit on the edge feel quite positive about the church it's good to hear feel quite positive about the church they express a warmth towards the church and the work that they see us doing um, as a more kind of national institution the church is thought about in general as a Good thing. I don't know if that surprises you because often we sort of think, oh gosh, you know, people think Christians are, you know, hypocrites or, you know, that we're always telling people that they're doing the wrong thing and all that kind of stuff. But in general, this is what they have found. People think of the church as a good thing. But, she said, the more attached to church that people were, the less positive about church people became. People grumbled more about their church so she said it isn't surprising then that perhaps it's difficult to encourage people um, to make that step to join the community if when they come closer to it the people who are part of it seem to grumble about it now I don't know if that how you feel about that it's a it's a bit of a challenge isn't it Now, I don't think this is a mandate to say that we're not allowed to critique or disagree or, you know, God forbid we become those kind of plastic, happy, shiny people of church who are not real. But it did make me think that we as a church, not just St. Michael's, but just generally as church, we need to think about how it is we communicate And deal with the things that cause us conflict and how we manage ourselves within our communities so that we neither destroy one another nor ourselves with the things that are inside of us. How do we find healthy ways of processing those feelings and thoughts which, if we deal with them in healthy ways, actually could help us grow as people and as a family of God together, um, rather than being destructive. I think that's more akin to what James is saying when he says, "You know, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing." My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh? and brackish water. James is not asking us to pretend to be perfect, but to actually allow the gospel to change us and shape us so that what is in our hearts is shown in what we say and do. Not that what we say and do is somehow a cover for the envy and bitterness that really is in our hearts. But actually, we're looking for transformation so how do we allow this gospel to change us? And how do we deal with the fact together and as individuals that actually our hearts are pretty inconsistent? They do seem to give fresh and brackish water. We do annoy one another and blame one another for our frustrations. How do we allow the gospel into ourselves to change us. The reality, I think, is that our church community, however you want to, community, family, what are we, this group that we are together, I think it's right um, that we will be one where there are frustrations and annoyances because that's what it's like to be family together. We're trying to live with one another and uh, these things are inevitable, but they're not necessarily destructive. Sometimes we can feel that if we're sort of feeling a bit <laughs> like that, that that's only destructive. But actually, it, it doesn't have to be. Um, the problem, I think, grows when we start to blame the church Um, as if it was some kind of nebulous institution, when we are the church. You know, we are St. Michael's. The church is you, and the person sat next to you, and me, and the people who've been here forever, the people who've just started coming in the last year or so, the people who come every week, And the people who come once a month or only every so often, it's us. We are the church. And the church community or the church family is probably exactly the right place. In fact, it is the only place for us to be working out what it means to be Christians, what it means to be the church together what it means to practice what we preach and to allow the gospel of Jesus to change us. And we don't turn up here kind of ready-made. So I think it's probably this transformation, it's going to be a little bit painful and it would be really unusual if it wasn't. I think about, you know, when we think about things that are broken or are not quite the right shape, not quite how we want them to be. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. We think about bones. Or if any of you ever had braces as teenagers to get your teeth into that place. Anything that is about reshaping is a little bit sore. Sore. So how do we do this in a way that we are choosing to allow the gospel to shape us? Well, I think it's not rocket science. It's simple, but it's not easy in the manner of James. We have to talk to one another. To be those who are ready to seek and offer forgiveness quickly and readily to kind of understand ourselves better. I mean, being angry, because someone's ticked you off for whatever reason, is just kind of being angry, that that's just how you have responded, but it's not the same thing as Nurturing that feeling and becoming bitter towards that person and thinking that person is always doing that. They're just like that and they're never going to change and I'm just going to go and nurse my feeling towards them. Being angry is not the same thing as being bitter. How we deal with that anger is going to affect the rest of our connections and relationships with one another. And being hurt is not the same thing as being bitter. In the same way, we do hurt one another. Sometimes unintentionally. Uh, sometimes there's a bit more of an intention behind it. And we might know what presses each other's buttons. Uh, we might enjoy that feeling of uh, passive aggression. Uh, because we really annoyed at that person and we want them to feel bad. Um, But actually being hurt, that's just how we feel. It's the nurturing and the allowing of these things to fester, which allows bitterness to spring up. And then out of that comes the words and the deeds. The only person responsible for what happens in your heart is you. If you need to have a conversation, a reconciliation with someone, take control of that for yourself. It's simple, but it's not easy. If it was easy, um, then the world would be a different place. We see these things playing out between individuals, between groups of peoples, Between countries, it's part of what is wrong with the world. You know, and James has it nailed right here. A move towards reconciliation means recognizing that we, I, I'm not always the person that I want to be. And that I am the only one who can make a difference in who I am and who I choose to be. You can only allow the gospel to change you um, by recognising and looking kind of straight in the eye those bits in you, those bits in us, which are not the nice bits. We call them sometimes our shadow side. So it's not about oh, I'm not angry really, I'm not bitter really, I'm going to press that all down and pretend it's not there. Allowing the gospel to transform us means looking at those things and dealing with them. Um, There is a famous Native American story, uh, which some of you will have heard, which says this. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, "Which wolf wins?" The old Cherokee simply replied, "The one you feed." Now, I'm not sure about these two wolves completely, um, but I think it's a good story. I think maybe it's more that we have one wolf, one self. But the potential in us is towards, each day, something good or something not good, evil. Choosing not to feed our wolf with bitterness and resentment doesn't mean pretending it isn't there. It's the opposite of that. It means staring ourselves in the face, kind of recognizing ourselves in the mirror. James talked about that bit earlier on, about being those who kind of uh, recognize ourselves. And if we want that image to be transformed, the wolf kind of comes with us, but it gets changed. But that's about asking Jesus to take us on a journey of healing and wholeness so that image does begin to change, so that our hearts do begin to change. Simple, but not easy. So I guess there's a, there's a challenge to us In our relationships with one another here at church, but also wherever you have your relationships, to be those who recognize when there is a potential towards um, bitterness uh, festering in you, Um, and to choose a different path than allowing that to grow. Uh, And in doing so, uh, we become, as individuals, but also as a community together, a more healthy and whole place which reflects that image of God that we want to reflect. And it takes time, and it takes us bearing with one another... Um, And it takes courage, because it takes courage to approach someone and say, actually, that really hurt when when that happened. Can we talk about that? I'm going to finish with the verses at the end of James 3. To encourage you uh, to choose that different pathway. To be a people of peace and to nurture yourselves so that you may nurture each other. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Amen.